Welcome to the show. Ha! Ha! <laughs> Paul George, right here in studio with right Adam here, Talk, right now. Talking all things art of living. All things. Everything's on the table. Everything's on the table. However, speaking of the table, Adam, I don't know if you know this, and hopefully you did. This past week, we celebrated a Valentine's Day. Yeah, in fact, it was yesterday. Right. What so, a wonderful day. Mm-hmm. Did you forget? Did you remember? I did not forget. However, I must admit, and people get mad at me, it's just never been a big thing between me and my wife. However, it's a big thing for the kids. So we made it more of a family thing. Boom. But you, I, you yeah. and I are kind of on the same page here. And okay. maybe we're going to be hated for this. Maybe. I mean, we're hated for other reasons. Okay, sure. so here's what cracks me up about Valentine's Day. First of all, you know, it's kind of like this once a year thing where, you know, spouses, particularly men, feel this pressure of, like, mm-hmm. it's Valentine's Day. You better Day, deliver. You know. And I often find, like, like uh, you know, it's like they think of a gift and they, you know, candy and flowers and, you know, roses. And, you know, you could buy a dozen roses for $12 any other day. But on Valentine's Day, they're, like, 50 You know, <laughs> it goes up and, you know, we spend all this money. And it's like, well, honey, I got you Valentine's stuff, you know. And then the next day or the day before, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we've moved on by today, right? Like, like the gift is really going to make the difference in the relationship, right? We don't put a whole lot of emphasis on Valentine's Day. I mean, we love each other as a card, but you know, our kids get get cards or whatever. We love each other, but it's just super not important. Like, we don't do a big date or anything like that because I'm of the opinion, philosophy is that like your marriage really consistently. Uh, should be Valentine's Day. Like it should be, in a sense, a celebration of love, uh, a, a celebration of each other, and working on your marriage constantly. So if you're out there and you're leaning on one day a year, <laughs> February 14th, that's all I got, <laughs> to be like the the day that you rekindle, like, or say how marriage, you really feel, or, or say how whatever. you really feel. Your marriage is probably struggling a little bit. I mean, that's just my guesstimation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because for marriage, like honestly, and for any relationship, it's got to be consistent work. There really has to be consistency there. It's probably an analogy with Christmas. You know, a lot of people only go to Mass on Christmas. And that's the one day of year where I'm going to give God all I got. I showed up. But it's not... Now, it's nice. For example, I'm sure a don't lot of stop pe- doing that. Yeah, a lot of people really had a great night last night. I'm sure, or you know, with their spouse or some kind of you know, with their kids yesterday. Because Valentine's Day is a good reminder, and I'm not knocking any of that down. No. no, no, no. But we do have to check how much emotional stock I put in to a national holiday. That's really a commercial invention, mm-hmm. honestly. Even though Saint Valentine is a an inspiring story, and he's a martyr of the church. Like those are all you know. There's a, a good aspects, but on Did the, you know that St. Valentine actually had, like, wings? Wings? Yeah, you know, like I, the little I didn't Cupid, know that. like he was actually a Cupid. I didn't know that. He probably had arrows shot at him. Right. Cause no, he didn't have wings. No, he didn't have wings. But, so I'm not knocking any of that, but we do have to ask ourselves, where's the pressure coming from? Like, you're talking about pressure on yeah. men in particular. And if the pressure is coming from somewhere other than Jesus Christ, or something that logically makes sense in a rela- a loving relationship already, then I probably need to examine how I participate in Valentine's Day. Right. It's not a huge deal, y'all, but it could be a flag to say, maybe I should invest more in my marriage on the other 364 days. Right. 
And that's what I was saying is that consistency for anything is important. If you want to be good at anything, you got to be consistent at it. Like you, you want to, you know, work out and be in shape. You can't just do that at the beginning of the year for the first month of the year. And then you forget about it. Right. Like workout day, you know, you, it's got to be consistent. Uh, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be holy, if you want uh, anything good or positive in your life, it's got to be consistent or negative. You could do negative things consistently, and they you certainly harm your life and you know move you in a different direction. Marriage, in a sense, is a primary vocation for someone who is in a marriage. Like that is. And when we say primary, like that's what the word means, primary. It is above all everything. Your relationship with God and then your vocation, capital V, primary, there's nothing more important than that. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God and then your primary vocation, your marriage. So if there's nothing more important than that, then why don't we spend more time investing in it, working on it, uh, pouring into it, being more consistent instead of, you know, when it comes down to this one day a year, we feel this pressure of like, okay, I got to get the perfect gift. So my spouse knows that they, I love them or, uh, I got to prove it. Cause I haven't said it in a while. You know, it's like, almost like we're trying to catch up and that's when we feel, feel this pressure, you know? And then what ends up happening is, uh, there's probably tension already there. Yeah. You know, and so the conversation is like, "Oh, you're going to get me flowers today," or you you don't you know you don't do this consistently. And I've it's heard a nice this, little break from the tension on Valentine's Day. It's like let's just have a pleasant day, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this a lot in talking to couples, and uh, you know, coaching couples and mentoring couples, and the conferences that we do is you know I hear this often a lot, and even you know looking back in my own marriage and relationship is you know when we dated, he or she did all these things for me. Mm-hmm. And then once we got married, you just stopped doing them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just find that real interesting is like, well, once you get married, like, and then all of a sudden you just stop doing all the things that kind of led you in the dating of pursuing this person and loving this person and really trying to get that person to, to say yes to you, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get married, and it's like, oh, those things kind of stopped over time, and then he or she no longer does those things, and they were so sweet and, you know, beautiful and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking to myself, there's n- no greater time to, in a sense, keep dating than when you're married. Because mm-hmm. if you're not continually pursuing your spouse like you were when you were dating, the excitement, then it's just going to kind of slowly – um, atrophy. Yeah. One aspect of a relationship that I'll often recommend to spouses if they're, you know, like if I'm talking to friends and their marriage is struggling or something, it's not at face value the most romantic, but it's the word respect. Hmm. And respect is one of those words I think we, we need to look at again, which is going to be ironic in a second, because the word literally means to look at again, re Again, spect, like spectacles to look at. Mm -hmm. When we respect a person, we're able to look at them again. In other words, as if for the first time or in a way that's not colored by biases or whatever. And a lot of us, whether we realize it or not, have lost respect for our spouse. And what I mean by that is when we look at them, we're not looking at them like we did the first time we met them or the first date or the, you know, as if 
the way we look at people we don't even know, we'll have more respect for them than our spouse. Instead, when we look at them, we see the tension that's there. We see the arguments we're having constantly. We see the, the resentment, the bitterness, the longing for, I wish we could be different, or, or they're my project I'm working on, and you know, I want to make sure that they're... We see all these things instead of the person in front of us, right. and we've lost respect for our spouse. And I think one of the things that can jumpstart a marriage in that situation is to go back to the dating phase, in, but not because you need to be immature again, but because you need to gain, regain the respect you had in the beginning. When you looked at a person as their own person, a mysterious person you had to get to know that, you know, and not what you've, you've lost the respect that you had from the beginning. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about relationships is this, is that the person you married is not the person you're married to today. Right. And what I mean by that is we're human and we change. You know, when I got married in my 20s and I'm in my 40s, I'm a different person. I hope so. I look different. You do. You know, I, I, I'm i sure I've developed some different habits, good or bad, hopefully better. Uh, but thoughts have changed. I've matured. You know, like I've changed as a human being. Uh, my wife, the same thing. Like who we each married 20-something years ago, we're, we're different people. So what ends up happening is if you don't continue to re-look at the person, mm-hmm. uh, re-respect the person, continue to date the person and pursue the person, what ends up happening is 10, 15, 7 years, 20 years later, you look through the lenses of your eyes and say, this isn't the person I married. Right. This isn't the person I fell in love I with. I don't know who this is. I don't know who this is. And I've had people come to me and say, I, I don't I don't love this person anymore. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, well... Because it's a different person than the one you fell in love with, and you're a different person. And what has ended up happening is because of the business and chaos of life and raising kids and work, and uh, you've stopped pursuing each other, stopped dating. You stopped growing and, and learning to uh, to grow together and, and learn the new person, and, and that's all stopped. And so what's ended up happening is you look at each other, and you're looking through the wrong lens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that has to obviously shift, yeah. you know, and I've seen uh, marriages really take a huge leap once that mindset starts changing is that you're never hopeless in your relationship if you're both willing to say, let's, let's pursue each other again, not who we used to be, but mm-hmm. who we are now. Yeah, and this reminds me of a, by analogy, kind of a striking example of, of this is um, th- there's a friend who's lost a child, right? So a child died. And it's interesting watch, watching this person go through this journey of letting go of the relationship how it used to be and embracing the relationship how it is now. Because obviously, in that situation, there's a huge desire to, to have again the relationship we used to have, you know, when the child was actually alive and right. on earth and yeah. I could take care of you and be your mom. But the need to let go of that and embrace the relationship as it is, which is this person's in heaven now, and th- they're, they're still them, and we have to have this relationship. You know, right. like this is who we are now. And it's been quite a journey for this person to, to ease into that, you know. And I think for spouses, exact same scenario. Like you, you have to let go of the relationship you've had and embrace the relationship you have of the person who was and the person who is in front of you. Right. And sometimes that's painful. Right. 
especially if you're not used to doing this, like if you've let things build up for years and years, like you've really got to, to work at this. Right. But the joy is going to be in the current relationship. That's how human relationships are. They're not based on what was. They're based on what is. And that's where the joy is, the person you're actually in a relationship right now. You're loving the person the way they are now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the beauty of it. Uh, this is great, man. Uh, so uh, favorite candy on Valentine's Day? Oh, goodness. Day. Anything chocolate. You're a chocolate guy. Well, on Valentine's Day. Okay. I don't know why. I just feel like I need to be eating chocolate. Do you like something inside the chocolate, like a yeah, cherry caramel. or caramel? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I like you? I like chocolate-covered almonds. So I love almonds. Throw chocolate on it for Valentine's Day. You love Day. almonds. I do. Okay. Yeah. Do you like almond milk? Almonds. Okay. Yeah. Hey, did you see that <laughs> meme going around where it had the heart candy, but it was like rejection candy like it's not me it's you uh, no it's not you it's me like how to break up yeah <laughs> i didn't see that i would like that kind of candy i like that <laughs> yeah i mean I, in my household any candy it doesn't matter Fair what game. holiday it, it your candy in my house will get stolen by someone it doesn't last huh? it does not last and and hands will reach out and take it wow even the little hands, your okay. little daughter, including my wife, she will oh, okay. steal. She will steal <laughs> people's steal candy. Your candy. I think she confessed <laughs> that she stole one of our kids' candy. <laughs> I'm like, really? You confess? You're the one that bought it. She's like, yeah. I feel horrible though. I would sneak into his room and take his candy. It, I'm sure it's if it's it's probably like this with you, but often you realize like, wow, um, my wife is just so much better than I am. One hundred percent, and and that's the thing, man. Like. Which is great. I, I know that. And and my ticket to heaven is to, uh, you know, it says, you know, husband and wife will come together and cling, you know. Mm-hmm. They cleave together, like literally become one flesh, it says. There's nothing wrong with that. that I mean, that's that's our theology. That's our belief. That's the way God created us. But when I say cling, you know, like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I mean, she's much better than me. And clinging mm-hmm. to her is going to make me a better person. So anyway, uh, great conversation. We come back. We're going to talk more about love. Oh, <laughs> Paul and Adam. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George in studio, talking all things art of living with my good friend, co-host Adam Conk. Just a good friend? Do you want more? A better (laughs) title? I mean, I could have just said friend. Like, in but a, I did. If we went to high school together on the yearbook, it would just be like, you're a good friend. Best of luck. If we went to high school together, I would say <laughs> old friend. <laughs> He's my old friend. He's my old friend. But would you write that on my yearbook? From the old days. I don't write anything in yearbooks. You weren't a yearbook Apparently, writer? Apparently, those come back to, to bite you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you didn't write in people's yearbook? I don't know. Maybe in elementary school, but I don't know if in high school I did. I probably did and would regret anything I probably wrote. See, I was such a 
that kind of guy. So I would I would write the same thing for everybody because I didn't want to offend anyone. And it just had to be stupid. So I, I think I wrote like senior year, stay sweet. <laughs> stay sweet like candy. Speaking of staying sweet. We're kind of talking about this theme of love today, Valentine's Day. And love. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to ask you a question, though, because you brought up something that's real. Um, a lot of people experience it even when they're doing nothing wrong in their marriage, and that is this idea of being in love or feeling in love, mm-hmm. and then something changes where, like, the feeling changes or this, and you, f- you kind of freak out about it. Right. Or, like, you realize that over time you don't know what to do about it. Yep. I mean, this is kind of common, right? It's very common. It's common for all of us. I mean, and I think more importantly, we must understand this, that love more than anything is a decision. It's a choice. Then it is a feeling or anything else. If love was simply a feeling, then then gosh, like I, I would never, you know, I would have given up on marriage a long time ago or friendships a long time ago or work a long time ago. Uh, love ultimately is a decision to decide every day. Uh, what I will love consistently, what I choose to love. And this is important for marriage because we choose to love our spouse no matter what. Through their, their brokenness or sinfulness, their, their, their imperfections, that's the power of marriage. People who choose to love the other person unconditionally despite their shortcomings, that's where real transformation begins to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so love ultimately is a choice. I remember someone giving me advice years and years ago before I got married. He said, you know, there'll come a day where the only thing that you have that day in your marriage, that, that day in your marriage, is your commitment to your commitment. And I remember thinking, that that's the worst advice I've ever heard. Like, this sounds like, why would I ever want to get married, you know? <laughs> and, and then I remember it kind of coming into play. I don't know what point of my marriage, but I was like, I think today's just... The only thing I have today is commitment. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have a feeling. Nothing great happened. You know, like, I don't feel super in love, and we probably are in some type of conflict or argument or disagreement, yet the only thing that I have today to push through is commitment. Mm-hmm. That's what love is. It's committing to your commitment, and certainly there'll be times where you feel in love, and there'll be times of great romance or intimacy or whatever the case might be. But for the most part, marriage is really about committing to your commitment and choosing to love the other person. That's the beauty of it, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think the main joy of marriage is more like, it's less like a romance movie, and it's more like um, workout partners or something like that where, all right, we're in each other's lives to make each other better and to help each other get to heaven. And over time, we're actually going to do that. So it's like, it's more like encouragement to better yourself, right. to achieve something together. Not like a project, but but achieving life together and living life Growing well. together. Then it is about being swept off your feet all the time. Certainly. Absolutely. You and know? and here's, here's kind of the point I want to make here, because I think this is a huge... Um, pendulum swing in relationships is this. If I were to say, hey, Adam, and don't answer the question, but <laughs> whoever's listening, is make a list of, of the top two, three, four, five of your best friends, okay? And you made the list of your best friends, and so you had your, your best friends. You'd say, do I love those people unconditionally? I'd say, absolutely. Like my friend so-and-so could get a DUI, and I would love them just the same. Like I'd go visit him in prison and, 
You know, I would my he could call me and curse me out, and I would still love that guy. Or called me in the middle of the night, need me to go, need me to talk. I, without a doubt, uh, he could show up and do this. Or I, I can make a list of those top friends who I've been friends with for years and say, there's no doubt that they could probably do anything, and I would still be their friend. Right? Mm-hmm. There's something about this friendship that's like I'm committed to these friendships. No matter what, no matter what they do or no matter what argument or disagreement or uh, whatever the case may be, we're friends for life. Like, I, you just love these guys unconditionally, right? Or girls, if, you know, whoever's listening, we'd make those lists of friends. Here's what's interesting is a lot of times it's easier, easier for us to love our friends unconditionally than it is for people to love their own spouse. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here's the point I'm making is that ultimately... I think and believe that what makes a really, really strong, great marriage, healthy marriage, is that your best friend is your spouse. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like your best friend. And oftentimes we don't think about, well, you know, I go hunting and fishing with this boy and uh, it's great. <laughs> or, you know, me and this girl, we, you know, we go shopping and we do all these things and we talk so intimately and deep. And man, me and Bubba, man, we're grabbing a drink and we Bubba. just share deeply and he knows all the struggles. And, you know, it's like, and we got these friendships that are almost like better than our marriages. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the thing. And I'm not saying those friendships aren't important because I think they're important. I think for you and I, as, as men, we need good, healthy male friendships in our life and vice versa for women, okay? But here's what I'm saying, is that I think and believe that the most important friendship that you have is your spouse. When you begin to see your spouse as your best friend, like as your go-to partner, I mean, as the one who's going to love you and you're going to love unconditionally, the the one who could show up and do do something wrong and yet they do no wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. that that friend that you're the first person that you call, the, the the one that you lean like when it gets to that type of friendship, that's when the relationship takes a turn. Because ultimately is this is that marriage really is, you know, about a lot of things. But if you don't have friendship, you really don't have a relationship, right? I mean, you might be acquaintances or buddies or coexist or parent partners like this parent together. But, Absolutely. But it's not, it's not what especially Christian marriage is called to be. And I think that's something that, you know, it, it's very good that in the past 10 to 20 years there has been an explosion in the Catholic world about marriage advice. That's great. Everything from conflict revolution to handling your finances to, you know, whatever. Theology of the body. Yeah. It's fantastic. Right. Um, but let's not forget that the most important aspect of Christian marriage is that it's a sacrament of the church. Christ has elevated the natural reality of marriage to be a sacrament. Just like at, at Mass, the priest elevates bread and wine, consecrates it, and becomes the body and blood of Jesus. So the natural reality of nourishment is made a supernatural reality of nourishing on Christ himself. So the natural element of friendship, which is what you're describing, gets elevated into a sacrament, to where, meaning we receive grace from this relationship, which is not true of your buddy. Right. Like if I, if I love my buddy well, we might have a good time and I feel better, whatever, but I did not receive the sacrament of grace I get from loving my wife well. And Christ himself 
is present in our relationship sacramentally. Our friendship is a sacrament. It blows our mind if we stop and think about it, but look at the grace we're wasting by letting ourselves not be great friends with our spouse. Absolutely. And Christ is the one that elevates the sacrament, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I'd be remiss not to say this, but, you know, I kind of, you know, it's it's there without saying, but I want to say it is that our first priority of friendship is friendship with Christ, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And Christ is the one that draws us into uh, priority, I- into what is most important in our life to to reflect, to 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 really think about. And outside of that friendship with Christ, our primary vocation, which we mentioned in the first segment, that's our first priority of friendship. Mm-hmm. outside of relationship with Christ. So w- when we are in relationship and friendship with Christ, Christ is the one that m- gives us the grace to love well, mm-hmm. right? Gives us the grace to 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 be sacrament well, you know, mm-hmm. within our marriage. And I I think oftentimes people really complicate marriage because it's like man, it's so hard and we're having a hard time communicating and you know, we're so busy and you know, we're raising kids together and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, what if you just put all that aside and just started being friends? Yeah. Like, like just hanging out. Well, we don't have much in common. What, I mean, you, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't have to go hunting together or fishing together. You do great. I mean, you don't have to like go shopping together or, you know, but, but friendship is more than like, like common, like activity. Yeah. It, it's about emotional connection like deep emotional connection, like yeah. real friendship. And that's where I think a lot of times like marriages struggle because in their friendship, there's not a deep emotional connection, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that unity that we want in our marriage or need in our marriage for it to be healthy and great is to have a friendship that has deep emotional connection. That's what's different about a non-sacramental friendship, mm-hmm. right? Marriage draws you sacramentally deep into uh, emotional and physical union with this other person. Right, which is why it needs to be a sacrament, right? I mean, the sacrament of baptism, for example, there's water, there's an element, and it affects a change of the whole person. Like, the whole person is recreated. Right. Emotionally, spiritually, bodily, like, it affects the whole thing. Marriage is a union of the whole person, bodily, emotionally, um, spiritually, all of it. And so it makes sense that it would require a sacrament to unite the two together. Right. Because sacraments are, are, are material and spiritual. And so marriage is as much spiritual as it is material, but it is material, which includes you know, our bodies, our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, our mood swings, like all of it. All of it is part of who I am and who you are. And so the sacrament unites us as something bigger than both of us to keep us together and to give us the grace we need to share life together. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that the, the church and our Lord through the church provides for us. Um, but again, the purpose of it is to be an image of Christ's love for the church. And so why do we have this sacrament? It's not just for me and you. Right. It's for the whole world. Boom. It's I mean, for the whole world. Yeah, I mean, first... Foremost, the sacraments are visual signs of God's reality. There, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it sacraments speak of who God is, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's an invisible sign to God's presence, reality. Like that's what a sacrament is. You know, so we see the, the Eucharist, you know, that sacrament is a sign of God, right? Mm-hmm. And it's God's presence, you know, so it's, it's not a sign only, of his presence that actually makes him present. It actually makes him present. Mm-hmm. All sacraments do that. The sacrament of marriage is the same. It actually makes God's present to the world. It's a mm-hmm. visual sign of God's presence. This is why marriage has the ability to transform culture and the world, because it's a sacrament lived out. People see love in action. They see it tangible. And when people love each other, you it's a it's attracting. It's attractive. When people love each other sacrificially, that's what Christ did. Like, that's how Christ becomes present to the world. This is why marriage is under attack, why why yeah. marriage is so hard, because the enemy wants to get in there and say, you know, don't love each other well, because this is, this is way too important, right? But also, the sacrament of marriage is, it's really the only sacrament, right? And you could correct me if I'm wrong, where it takes actually two people. Yeah, they're the ministers of the sacrament to, to each, each other. other. You know, where all the other sacraments, it's, you know, Christ directly, basically. Yeah. It, and marriage... Bishop, priest, or deacon performs the sacrament, right. or celebrates the sacrament, whereas marriage, it's the couple, and the priest or deacon or bishop just witnesses Witnesses. It. So mm-hmm. so the two come together, and that's why in the marital vows it says, do you come here freely, right? Do you freely give of yourself to to enter into the sacramental union, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it can't just be one. Right. It can't. And just like baptism is a sacrament that happens once, but is lived out every day. In other words, I, as I, you, you talk about our, our main vocation is to have friendship with Christ, and second to that, our marriage, that follows the sacraments. Our baptism is our sacrament that begins our relationship with Christ. And as I pursue a relationship with Jesus, that's the grace of that sacrament being lived out. And I have the help of that sacrament to make it happen. Same thing right now. If I want to pursue a deeper relationship with my spouse so as to be more faithful to this sacrament, there is a sacrament there right now in our midst to help us achieve this union. Absolutely. You know, it's not like it's a one-and-done thing, you know, our wedding wasn't great or whatever. No, like the sacrament is an ongoing reality because it's, it's binding us together until one of us is dead. And until then, Jesus has promised to be faithful to us here to help us live as husband and wife. Yeah. Well, and you're bringing up some tension that I'm feeling. I'm just going to name the tension. Oh, Maybe boy. people who are listening uh, are feeling the same tension. And I think the tension that I get oftentimes in conversation with people is, you know, really one of us is kind of living out the sacrament, uh-huh. the commitment, and the yep. other one is not, you know, serious about the sacrament or their relationship with Christ or a churchgoer. And I get this often, you mm-hmm. know, and, and there is tension. And I want to acknowledge that if you're, if that's you and, you know, there's one of you in the marriage that isn't as serious about following Christ and entering the sacrament. Like, like I, I, I just want to honor you, you know, and, and that feeling. And here's what I have to say to it is that so oftentimes when people are in that situation is they, they, uh, they don't know what to do. And so yeah. either a, they, they, they have these deep intimate friendships outside the marriage uh, or B, they, they're constantly nagging within the marriage mm-hmm. and to the point where it's almost pushing the other p- person further and further away, mm-hmm. right? M- my response to that is if you're a believer in Christ and Christ's power is give your spouse to Jesus mm-hmm. and let Jesus deal with your spouse. 
And scripture talks about the power of a praying spouse, a believing spouse. And I would say lean in so hard to prayer and giving your spouse to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to deal with my spouse in this situation, but I'm going to let you deal with them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you be God in the situation. I'm going to let you take control over the situation and believe that somehow through the grace you're going to take over and intersect, and I don't know how to do it, so I'm giving it over to you. Well, I love that. And I think it's so important because even if even if we're in a situation where both of us love Jesus, and I've seen this a lot too, there can be tension into disagreements about how the family should pray together or how important this is or that is. Like it's not it's not like just because you both love Jesus, everything's going to be hunky dory, right? And sometimes it's when, just the opposite. When one spouse doesn't love the Lord, and the other one does. They have a better marriage by far than two believers. Yeah, because sometimes. <laughs> Two believers, and you know, I'll, I'll quote myself on this because I'm gonna quote qu- yourself. I'm going to quote myself on this. So you'll just say something. I'll just then. say something. <laughs> is we can over spiritualize the issues. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, you know, we we can just say, well, you know, we'll just pray and Jesus, and we'll go to mass, and we're not working on the issues that are actually there. Right. 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 And the issue is never. The issue is never. You are not doing enough for our marriage. Like, that's never the issue. It's always, I need to be a better friend. That's the issue. Because even if even if a person doesn't go to Mass, doesn't pray, doesn't want anything to do with the Lord, I can be a friend with this person, right? And what is a friend? And the friendship is going to help them find the Lord much quicker than anything else. A friend is, I want you to get what you want out of life, mm-hmm. and I'm here to help if you need me. And I'm not going to give you... I'm not going to act like someone who knows better how you should live your life than you do. And in th- and, and that way, we want the opinion of our friends. When we see someone as a friend, as in, you know, if I ask them a, an opinion, they're going to be honest with me, and it might be different from mine, but I want to know what it is because I care about how they think. To get to that point, I can't, I can't feel like you think you know better than me how I should be living my life. Because then I just don't want to hear your opinion. Right. Like, I have no I, I don't, you know. So... If we were a good friend, we could be that with an atheist or with a non-Christian or with a Christian. It doesn't matter. We need to be a better friend if there's something wrong in our marriage. That's it. It's not the other person. It's me. Right. We never underestimate the power of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Like I can go on the street right now and pick up a homeless person and love that person because they're homeless and broke and give them money. And ask them why they're there, and they could tell me all their horrible past, and it wouldn't change. I would just love them, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, in our marriages, we can nitpick mm-hmm. and point fingers and like try to change each other. And that's not what the sacrament calls us to do. It calls us to love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And when that begins to happen, that's when we say, Christ, you're loving here. You're, you love my spouse. You deal one-on-one. And one of the key components of, say, what a a good spiritual director does is a good spiritual director lets God deal with the individual. Mm -hmm. And if we believe that God can deal with the individual, then who are we to get in the way? But part of God's plan is that that individual has someone in their life who will encourage them in the right way. Exactly. And so the only thing I can do is be a good encourager. A good encourager, a great friend. And that's it. There's no silver bullet, but... These are some of the things that we could definitely, all of us, 
get better at. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk in studio. Talking all things art of living and love today. I don't know. Love is in the air. <laughs> Valentine's Day yesterday. Now we're on to other things. Now we're less loving, I guess. Yeah, let's just save our over. money for flowers next year. <laughs> <laughs> I think the challenge for all of us is let, let honestly, like, let's try to make every day Valentine's Day. So where when it comes to Valentine's Day, it's not a big deal. It's just like, yeah, my love, my my spouse just loves me consistently. Mm-hmm. So whereas like I'm not looking for anything different on Valentine's Day. Let's just keep moving forward together. Love it. Everyday Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a great quote for you, Paul. Right. Well, I have, you know, been quoting myself today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which some people just call talking. Talking. I'm actually <laughs> really just feel like quoting myself today. <laughs> That's what I feel like doing. So I would. What a great feeling. Yeah, encourage people to just quote themselves. Love it. Like just say, I just want to quote myself while I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I'm going to say. All right. So here's what I think. How about we do a six pack of love questions? Question. Six pack of love questions. (laughs) Love it. Which means you're going to come up with a six pack of questions. Of course. So question number one okay. has to do with those who want to be married but don't have a potential partner yet. And okay. this is a growing number of young people because marriage is being delayed more and more. Mm. Also, if you love the Lord, sometimes it's hard to find someone else who's a good fit for you. It's a tough question. I know where you're going. Do you? Keep going. So my question is, all right, I think the Lord's calling me to marriage and I, you know, I see all these happily married people at mass, and they're so cute. I just want that life, right? But I can't seem to find the right one. What do you do in that situation? Should you be actively trying to find that person or not? This is a six-pack within a six-pack. Okay. I mean, I... Let's just take a sip from it. Because there really is no silver bullet mm-hmm. to this. And I do understand the tension because I talk to a lot of single young adults who want to be married who aren't in the state of marriage and it's difficult you know it sometimes it's difficult being single one of the things i would say for married folks is reach out to single people and invite them over mm-hmm. like because they're dealing with a, a different type of loneliness and i think oftentimes we think well if they come over you know, it's just going to make them feel guilty that they're not married no they want to be folded in mm-hmm. and and the, and the best way for a single person to learn how to be married is to be folded into marriages Mm-hmm. and in family, and to not be alone. And so fold fold those people in. And for those people who are single, I think the tension is there, and particularly, you know, for a lot of women who are single, uh, young adult women who are looking out and saying, there's just not enough guys out there, mm-hmm. you know? And so to the guys, all of them who are listening to the show, uh, grow up, uh, mature, and 
you know, like encourage your friends to mature. People are getting married a little bit later today, statistically, mm-hmm. uh, in their 30s, which has changed dramatically. A lot of people are going to school, getting master's degrees, wanting to save money, do all these things before they get married. Um, and so statistically, that's that's happening. First thing I would say is just pray, like give your vocation to Jesus. Um, but here's the thing, is that uh, someone's just not going to come knock on your door. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, miracles like that do happen, but I haven't met a person who was just sitting at home, someone knocked on their door and said, hey, let's get married. It just doesn't happen that way. And so whether you're a guy or girl, I would say you got to put yourself out there um, socially, yeah. hang out with other people. Um, girls, you know, like uh, you got attend events, hang out with other people, single people, married people. Uh, you know, like sometimes guys are oblivious, like, um, kind of like all the time, like all the time, (laughs) you know, so it's okay to let the guy take the lead, but it's also okay to let them know that you're interested. Mm -hmm. Like that's okay. Uh, so I think a lot of times, you know, girls will just sit back too much and say, well, you know, I'm just going to sit over here in the corner. Mm -hmm. We got to put yourself out there. Guys, you got to be more bold in, you know reaching out to girls and asking them on dates. I mean, we could do a whole series on this, on dating, and maybe we should. But for the most part, pray, give your vocation to Jesus, but socially interact, uh, make connections and friendships. Don't be afraid to date and not like think this is the one. Just have fun mm-hmm. in, in dating and building friendships, and then ultimately uh, let God take the lead from there. Love it. All right, question number two Let's say we are dating someone, and it's getting kind of serious, and we're thinking about marriage and things like that, and that's where we're at right now. So what advice would you typically give to you know a couple of people? Maybe they have a good head on their shoulders, maybe, um, but they're not, they haven't gone through marriage prep or anything because they haven't gotten engaged, you know, but they're starting to think maybe this is what God has for me. Maybe this person is a good fit. So they're not committed yet, but they're getting there. My question is, what, what advice would you have for them to really get to that state of knowing if this is the actual person or not. Well, if you're, if you're getting to that point where it's like, I mean, so dating serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. Dating is discernment towards something. So, you, you know, you don't, you can go on a date, but dating is different than going on a date. Mm-hmm. Going on a date is like, hey, are we interested? You know, you're kind of cute. You know, can I have your number and can we go on another date? That's just an event. Dating, in a sense, uh, is movement toward this discernment towards something. So there's a point in dating where you discern, is this going to go further or not? I think sometimes people date too long instead of saying, ah, this is not really working. Let's just go our separate ways. We can still be friends. That's the point. But it comes to a point where it's like, okay, we've been dating a while. This seems to be taking the next step. And so what I encourage people to do is discern it in two ways. Discern it individually as a person is Am I called to move forward in this relationship with this person? So, so go through a process of discernment and talking to people and people you trust and praying about it uh, for both people, and then discern it together. So if this is important enough to ask the question, are we called to be married, then discern this together. Uh, ask the question. Meet with other couples. Talk to people. Do you guys see this happening? And really discern it together. And if it is, then stop wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're called to be married, then just move forward with the process, right? Stop dragging your feet. And I think a lot of times, like with dating, it's like, oh, we, we, you know, we got to have all this stuff before we get married. 
You're going to have all these savings and buy a house and have eight cars. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is your marriage. At the end of your life, the only thing that you're going to have left is your vocation. Mm-hmm. So like, what's the priority? I'm not saying that you don't need to pay off debt or anything like that. I'm just saying like, don't overcomplicate it. Question number three, it's kind of a follow-up. What would you say is the most common red flag you've seen working with couples that are discerning as you really aren't a good fit for each other? Hmm. What would you say is like, if you see this, if this is happening and you're dating, or even if you're engaged, you better think twice. (laughs) Yeah, what I tell people who are dating is you need to come up with some things internally that are sort of like areas that that are progress, you know, where you, where you see someone growing and moving forward or they're not. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there comes a point in a relationship where, uh, you notice someone's behaviors and whether or not they're working on those behaviors, they're growing in them or they're just, they're just not, Mm -hmm. they're, they're just kind of, you know, they keep same behavior and they're not working on it. And I think those are the red flags that kind of pop up. Uh, And what ends up happening a lot of times is people say, you know, those things will go away once we get married or we'll deal with them once we get married. And here's the thing. If there's a red flag when you're dating, that thing is going to be gorgantuous once (laughs) you get married. So either deal with it while you're dating and it gets dealt with, but it doesn't go away if it's not dealt with. And if you try to deal with it when you're dating and it doesn't go away, I would say that's probably the red flag of like, hey, we might want to take a break, pump the brakes, go our separate ways. You got some things, that issues that you need to work on. You're not ready for marriage. Love it. All right, question number four. Let's say we're engaged. Like we found the one. All right, so a lot of people listening might actually be engaged or they're about to be. Um, what do you think is the right path? Now, of course, the, the, the church has lots of processes and programs to help prepare couples for marriage. But in general, what's the roadmap and the, the important benchmarks from, okay, this is what God wants to, I'm prepared to get married? Like, what, what do you think needs to happen in that relationship? Well, I, I think there's some things that don't need to happen. I think chastity is huge mm-hmm. uh, in a dating relationship and an engagement. I think you're 80% more likely to get divorced if you are living, sleeping together before you get married. So so there's huge statistics on chastity. And if you can't be chaste in your marriage before, it's unlikely that you'll be able to be chaste after, you know, you could, but it's harder, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think benchmarks are, are each person really trying to pursue Jesus individually? And then are we learning how to do that together? Mm-hmm pursue Jesus together, and we're able to to really develop that and live chastely and, and grow in holiness. And then what I would say, too, is you talked about those processes, is I would find a really, really good uh, marriage preparation. And I'm not talking about like a one-day retreat type prep. Uh, I would talk about, like, I, I see uh, a real advantage in young couples finding mentor couples to walk with them through a mm-hmm. process five, six, seven, eight meetings of really digging in on issues and letting that couple help help you grow and discern uh, and move towards a healthy marriage. Yeah, so even if your parish doesn't require that of you... You can do it on your own. You can do it on your own. Absolutely. You Love can it. find people on your own. And uh, when Gretchen and I were getting married, we didn't 
they didn't have those types of prices. We went on a one-day retreat or something, and, uh, you know, it was, it was all right. But we just kind of, like, sought wisdom from couples and really, really got a lot of advice from people. And so we ended up kind of developing that on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was it was huge for us because even after we were married, we were able to call those couples or visit with those couples and say, hey, we're running into this, you know, sort of hiccup. You know, can we come talk to you? Love it. All right. Question number five. So we're married and let's say it's within the first five years and we've hit just our first major issue. Maybe a kid got sick. Maybe the house is an issue. Like we hit our first adult moment. And that's where we're at right now. And maybe it's not going the best, right? But we don't know how to be adults because we're kids and we're married. (laughs) Or like we are adults on our own, but together. So we're learning how to do a real life situation. And it's hard. What advice would you have for just learning, you know, growing up as a marriage and learning through that first big challenge? Don't freak out. Like your marriage isn't falling apart. Uh, and I think oftentimes it's like, oh, we don't agree on this. We, we're, we're horrible at being married. So don't freak out. Like you're going to hit obstacles like this in your marriage, some conflicts, some hard times, some financial things, some communication issues, some suffering, um, you know, job changes. Th- those are things that are going to happen. And those are really the things that actually help us to grow and prepare. And so what I would say is whatever situation you're looking at or dealing with is let that actually be the thing that brings you together. You know, it, it becomes a unifying thing instead of a thing that divides us. So maybe you're at a, a pass, like you can't agree. Just maybe come, keep coming to the table and say, let's do this together. Let's be, let's learn how to, how to, how to get on the same page and let's go talk to someone about it. Like, mm-hmm. Let's go find another older couple to, to just run this by, like hear us out. And I guarantee you those people will probably be able to help kind of pinpoint where, where you're not in sync. Mm-hmm. Love S- it. Seek advice. Question number six. Last question. It is because it's a six pack. It's mm-hmm. not a seven pack. That's right. So the question is, you and your lovely bride are putting on a married conference called Married, yep. which is a great title. For a married. Real, messy, beautiful. Real, messy, beautiful. Soon, right? It's like yep. in a couple months. March 23rd. But it's here in Lafayette, Louisiana. It actually Pius the 10th Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, and it's full though, apparently. It's sold out. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to figure out how to get a few more people, but we are in conversation about actually doing another one. Well, and that's my question. So one road. is like, why are you doing this, first of all? Because yep. I mean, are there enough conferences out there? One. Uh, and then two... So, so why why are you and Gretchen in your discernment saying this is what we need to be doing? And then two, if we think it's a good fit for where we are at our parish or in our city, is it possible to have you come do that here or at our place? And what would that look like? Like, how do we get that done? Well, there's not enough conferences for married people. And if they are, they're weekends or weekend retreats. We've crushed this down into one day. So it's doable for couples particularly couples in busy seasons and kids and family. So it's a one day conference and it's kind of a, you know, a real, you know, hopefully a kickstart to, to your marriage or, you know, getting your marriage back on track. We just believe that if you're married, that God wants more for your marriage than to coexist or to get by that. He wants you to have a happy marriage. And sometimes that's difficult to do, but we believe in that for ourselves and for everyone else. And so 
we're passionate about this married conference because we want to help married people um, have great marriages. You know, we're working on ours. It's, it's never going to be what it should be. We're always want to work on it. And we want to just invite people into that process. And so we'll be having more of these, uh, hopefully another one in Lafayette because this one's full. Uh, and then we're actually having requests from other places who want to host the Mary Conference. So if you do want to host it, you can contact us and we can we can try to figure out how to do it there. But now, when you say host, you mean like we have to like MC it and no, 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 like 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 have it in your area, host it. So host as in just provide a place. Yeah, and that's it. That's it. Wow, that's easy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you go to discovertheartofliving.com, hit married. There's the information about the married conference and then how to bring one in. But I think ultimately. The mission behind it is we just want people to really thrive in their marriages, right? Uh, because we want to thrive in our marriage. It's the most important thing that we can do in our life. Um, and our relationship with God is to make our primary vocation primary. And not just primary for the sake of sacrifice or the sake of being forced to. Primary for the sake of Jesus wants our vocation to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like he wants us to have a joyful vocation. Uh, just like when we see a, you know, a, someone who's uh, ordained, they're miserable. And we're like, that's not, that's not the point. But when we see a joyful priest or religious, we're like, that's beautiful. That's what it's supposed to be like. Same as with marriage. When yeah. we see a happy marriage, we're like, yes, I want that. That's what, and this is what God wants for us. Yeah. And that's not easy. It's difficult. Uh, it takes work. An effort, and certainly this one-day conference is not going to fix all your issues, but it definitely uh, is one of the things that we're trying to do is just to help kickstart uh, people and get them on the right path. Yeah, I think we forget in the church the power, and I don't know if it's because we've just gone without... Um, we have good preachers in the church. I'm not saying that, but I am saying Pope Benedict a couple years ago, a few years ago now, raised up a question to the whole church, has our preaching lost its salt? When we preach the gospel... Has it lost its salt, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that there's a power in reminding ourselves of the gospel in certain key elements. And I think for married couples, I'm excited about this because, you know, just knowing you, Paul, and your wife, like, you you don't have an agenda other than the gospel. Or at least that's what you strive for, right? To just promote Jesus Christ and his good news for all of us, you know? So it's not a program. It's not a you know, here's the formula for happy marriage, but like just here is what the Lord says about marriage and it's good news. And the thing is when we hear the word preached, it is powerful. It can affect our lives. You know, and I think back on my life, I had to have the word of God preached to me effectively and I had to be a, a good cultivated ground to receive it. But the preaching was so important. And it, for me, weekend conferences were a big deal, especially in high school um, hearing the word of God preached to me was a big deal. And this, this for 2000 years is how the church works. The word is preached. It finds a heart that is willing to welcome it and it flowers into the kingdom of God. And so if, if we're struggling in our marriage or we have a great marriage, I would just encourage if you want to host one of these conferences to have the word of God preached to you on this topic and let it change your life. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a life or death situation. Amen to that. Salvation. Amen to that. A great show. 
Appreciate it. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, uh, you're funny. Anyway, you can find the show on um, iTunes, Google Play. You can share it. Um, DiscoverTheArtOfLiving.com. You can support us, support the show, and the ministry work we do. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks, Adam, for being here today. We'll be back next week. God bless.